turning to Matthew 28 this morning, and Brenda got started on it, it's a great job last, last Sunday, and we conclude our series on Matthew today, part 12, Great Awakening Matthew style. It's a little bit, I'm getting a little bit of feedback here on this, so we can. So t- today, this message is entitled, I am with you. And it's based on Matthew 20, verse t- 28, verse 20, where Jesus says, behold, and as you've heard me say many times, behold in the Greek means to behold. <laughs> to actually look at it carefully. Look at it carefully. I am with you always. Isn't that a wonderful thing to look at carefully? Jesus' last words in Matthew's gospel, look at this carefully. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And no one knows for sure if it's Jesus saying amen or Matthew adding his amen. But we can know for sure that Matthew and Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are all saying amen to the reality that Jesus Christ is with us always, even to the end of the age. In the first great awakening in England and in the, in the colonies in the mid-1700s, John Wesley preached and hundreds of thousands of people came to, came to Christ in the course of his life. His last words before he went into glory were these words, the best of all is that God is with us. Hallelujah. This is the air I breathe. And Matthew, I believe his life verse that is constantly in his heart, Jesus' words to him as he sat in his tax collecting booth, Follow me. And that refrain is expressed in that gospel hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. Though no one else follows, yet I will follow. I remember an evangelist, Wes Lancaster, coming to the little church I was part of as a teenager, as a traveling evangelist, special meetings, he looked me right in the eye and said, Dan, you follow Jesus no matter what anyone else ever does. And this is Matthew, his life verse. And what is so cool about this last phrase in his, his Great Awakening book is that, that this opportunity that Jesus is saying... Um, I am with you, Matthew. I am with you, Matthew's church, to the end of the age and beyond. And my friends, do you know that in our experience of Jesus, even this morning, and in your life experience through thick and thin, when you feel close to him, when you don't feel close to him, but know that his word defines reality, I am with you, even to the end of the age, that that also means that he's going to transition you into the other age to come. 
and that there will never, look, look at me, there will never be a time, there will never be a moment in your personal history moving forward forever where the personal, kind, sympathetic, generous, presence of the Savior is not with you. Jesus is always with you. Hallelujah. <laughs> the end of the age and beyond. And when he comes back and you go flying up to be with him, or if you Die, that's a misnomer because Jesus said we'll never taste death. It's one thing you miss by being a Christian, you never taste death. That he will be with us. He's not waiting for us to get to heaven, but he will, he will come and transport us to heaven. He comes and collects us and takes us with him to glory. So he'll transition with us over that Jordan River when it's that time if, if uh, he should tarry. And we don't go flying up to heaven with him before that happens. So this morning I want to look at the last few verses of Matthew chapter 28. Brenda shared some of the verses and commented on them, but I want to elaborate on a, a few items there because Jesus actually gives us uh, about four secrets to how to maximize the reality of his presence with us for our personal journey. You know, our, our hearts long for him. Our, our spirits pant for, spiritually for his presence. There is that within us that his, only his presence can satisfy. And there's not a person here in our midst today that isn't, doesn't have a, a deep hunger, a deep longing, a deep um, yearning for his presence, his, his resurrection presence. And Matthew gives us some hints on how to maximize that and see a deeper manifest presence of Jesus in our lives. Uh, the first uh, uh, talking point I'd like to say is uh, get going with guidance. Get going with guidance. We know from Brenda's talk and from reading Matthew 28 that the angel came down and rolled the stone away and, and the angel's brightness and the glory on, of God and the angel uh, terrified the guards and uh, they were so petrified, terrified that they shook and that they were like dead men, uh, the Bible says. They just couldn't handle the, that and it's a bit of a hint of what will happen to those without Christ on the last day sadly, and it should motivate us to try to get as many people to avoid that as we can, that there'll be nothing to hold on to. There'll be nothing to grasp. There will just be terror. There'll be mountains, mountains, please mountains fall, fall on us. Or where can I hide? There'll be no place to hide. And there's no place to go. And so uh, Psalm 2 says, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you. I mean, the option to pressing into Jesus and having Jesus as our savior is not very pleasant, is it? But let's read the, the scene here in just a moment. Matthew 28, verse 5. The ladies come, 
and uh, they see what's going on. They don't, they don't know what, in their hearts, there's a question. There's not a verbal question that, that is asked, but the angel answered, what was it going on in their hearts? Like, what, what is happening here? And the angel answered and said to the women, Mary and Mary, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Notice that the angel gets incredible satisfaction from, um, from responding to the guidance that God has given him, the angel. It's like, yep, I'm totally satisfied now. I told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. The ladies responded to the guidance too, didn't they? Note that. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. I'm glad, it's exciting to me that they were they were already having joy, but mixed with some fear, like what is going on here? But they had this already had this joy going on, and Jesus' first words to them is rejoice. It's like he's saying, I'm giving you permission to have joy. Can you hear that word from Jesus today? With all that's going on in your life and the world, he's giving you permission to have joy. So go ahead and indulge that. It's okay. Relax and enjoy the ride with him. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So, so when we're talking about getting going with guidance, we see God guiding the angel to say something, and he obeyed. That was a blessing to the angels. We see the women... God guiding the women, and they obeyed. Would you agree with me that they had a greater blessing in obeying the word of the Lord to go tell the disciples than if they had said, heck no, and went the other way? Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, kind of a no-brainer. And then the disciples were called to be guided to go into Galilee. And what if the disciples, would you agree with me that the disciples had a greater experience of the resurrection of Jesus because they obeyed? Yeah? Do you know that you will have a greater experience of the resurrection of Jesus, a greater joy in the reality that he is with you if you obey? If you obey his guidance? Guidance can come through a word from the Lord, like God gave the angel, like God gave the women like God gave the disciples. Uh, the, the word of the Lord can come through an angel. The word of the Lord can come through other people. The disciples got the word first, not directly, but from the women. It was like a per- personal prophecy from the ladies, right? Jesus also said, my sheep hear my voice. So there is a, an amazing supernatural dynamic to your personal guidance that God is giving you. It's, it's a powerful, powerful, powerful experience. This 
word from the Lord, getting a word from God, asking God for guidance, seeking confirmation in circumstances and through other people and multitude of counselors or safety and, and praying and, or getting a prophetic word or having a, the, the peace of Christ ruling in your heart where you, you know and you know that you know there's an anointing of faith on you that you've got a word from the Lord to do this or to do that. And you know what I'm talking about? People have those, that experience? I want to also say that there's another way as well um, to get guidance, and that is through the wis- through the um, through the the guidance to come through wisdom from the Lord, not just the word of the Lord, but wisdom from the Lord that God gave you. He gave you a brain to think with, <laughs> that you can have use common sense. That that's also part of the guidance that God has built into the, His guidance system. For instance, the disciples were told to go into Galilee, but when they got there, Jesus wasn't there yet. So what did they do? They went fishing. So whenever I don't knew, know what God wants to do, I just go fishing. <laughs> well, they went fishing, and Jesus was totally into that for them, wasn't he? I mean, he, he went ahead and, and, and caught some fish himself. I don't know if he just said, <laughs> or if he actually had a dad or what he did, but he had fish ready for them when they, when they came out of their boat. And they, they caught a bunch of fish too, as you, as you read that delightful story. And um, so that was just something that they just decided to do, and, God, and God's blessing was on that. Do you know that God's blessing can be on just the wisdom that you have in your life as you think about your life and your day and your week and just planning stuff out? There is all, there's a word of the Lord prophetically to you, but there's also the wisdom that God gives you just for life. Word of the Lord and, wi- and the word of wisdom, two ways that are important for guiding, guidance. I think of another example of this is Saul before he became king in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 9, chapter 10. Uh, Samuel meets up with Saul and, and uh, long story short, he tells Saul as he's uh, easing him into this idea of being king of Israel, he says, this is what's going to happen to you, Saul, in the days ahead. Three men are going to meet you, one carrying three young goats, Another carrying three loaves of bread. Pretty specific uh, prophetic word there, huh? And another carrying a skin of wine. And they will give you two loaves of bread. Pretty specific guidance, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. Stirred, stirred Saul's faith in the moment. But then there's this fascinating line. And he, he says, until the word of the Lord comes to you, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And that's a wonderful declaration that you can with confidence, with ease, with inner bliss and tranquility, just use your common sense wisdom in life to press ahead with the decisions that you're facing. Of course, always praying, praying without ceasing, always asking God's blessing. But you don't have to get a word from the Lord about every decision that you make. Because God works through wisdom as well, okay? The two work together very powerfully. God always works, also works through our conscience. Anyone ever have God, the light of God, speak into your conscience? You ever tried to argue with your conscience? How'd that go? (laughs) 
King David tried, but then his, the answer, his bottom line was Psalm 51, my sin is always before me. I can't get rid of this. My conscience is just bothering the heck out of me here. And remember that the Apostle Paul once wrote, Acts 24, 16, I, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. So a lot of times guidance isn't, isn't it's not just about where you live, what job you have or or decisions you're making about your money or your children and grandchildren what to say to what person you know guidance is also about the work of God transforming you into and me into the character of Jesus Christ and holiness and conscience and it's not your conscience is your friend it's the light of God it's your our consciences need to be informed by the word of God some people feel guilty for stuff they, they shouldn't. And some people seem to be suppressing their conscience in a way where um, they're trying to get by without responding to their conscience. And conscience is a gift. Say that. Conscience is a gift. Okay, he's your friend. Conscience is, con- my conscience is my friend. Let's say that. My conscience is my friend. Okay, just so we're clear on that. Conscience is good. So... Guidance from God, we're just touching on that. I'm just saying that however God guides us through prophetic, cataclysmic word from the Lord, through wisdom, through, through the, his light in our, into our conscience about an area he wants us to modify in our lives, all these things as we respond as the angel did, as the ladies did, as the disciples did in obedience, we are we are following Jesus like Matthew did into deeper experiences and manifest the manifest presence of his low, I, or behold, I am with you um, dynamic. He is giving us increased revelation because of our stepping into obedience. Secondly, Deal decisively with doubts. In our postmodern world, there's a pervading philosophy that says doubt everything. Nothing is certain. If you haven't run across that, you um, probably have your head in the sand. (laughs) And even amongst the, what I call, pseudo-progressive Christianity, it's not really progressive, it's it's pseudo-progressive, progressive Christianity in our day. It's, it's uh, old-fashioned liberal theology, which not only says uh, God is love, but it says all expressions of love is God, and God is in every person, whether you're in every religion. And it's just, I'm not going to get into the details of it. I'm just saying it's an old liberal theology with a new paint job with dynamic leadership and communication. It's a, it's a, it's a horrible deception that's been perpetrated on, on uh, the church and on the world in our day. And one of their premises is that uh, if you, whatever you've believed and been taught as evangelical Christians, if you ever have one hint of doubt, go with it. Develop it. Renounce anything other than that doubt. Let it take you wherever it wants to take you. And there are some complications with that. One, it's not biblical. 
Two, it's not consistent because they, the, the, the charismatic uh, personality leaders don't apply doubt about their theology. They say, believe us, hook, line, and sinker, don't doubt us. And, they're all, and they constantly say we're all about love, but they consistently and continually mock evangelical faith. Hypocrites. Want to throw that in there? So here's something about doubt. Matthew 28, 11. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole them away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money, did as they were instructed, And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews to this day. That's like up to 40 years later after the resurrection event. This is still the story that's uh, in the conventional wisdom of the Jewish culture of that day before the fall of Jerusalem. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, unless they obeyed, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, the the resurrected Christ, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let's focus for a moment on this phrase, some doubted. We know from John's gospel that Thomas doubted, right? But Matthew is saying there's even more that doubt, more that doubted, had some doubts, even in the face of the resurrected Christ. And I want to suggest to you that every single Christian on pilgrimage to the celestial city, every single person in our Christian journey, we have Um, an attack on us in our faith. Uh, So we have to have the shield of faith. I even had a dream (laughs) the other other day, a couple couple weeks ago. I wrote it in my my own journaling. And I I had this this problem. It was this unknown problem in my dream. But yet different people were suggesting answers. And finally this doctor said, I need to prescribe for him Thuron. And I had no idea. I woke up and I said, Thuron? <laughs> I looked it up, and the, and, the, and the closest Greek word to Thuron is faith, shield of faith. So I took that as a message from Dr. Jesus that, that <laughs> my prescription in this season of my life is to make sure I have my shield of faith up against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? Can I pass that on to you guys too? All of us can identify with the dad that... Jesus said, you know, um, do you have faith that I could, I could deliver your demonized child, your demonized little boy? And the, and the dad, what he say? He said, Lord, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. In the course of our journey, there are times when we are attacked by doubt and we put that shield of faith up. Um, but Matthew is saying it was more than just Ma- than Thomas that doubted. And... Um, I, I want to actually, so in other words, it's more of a common problem than just one out of 12, probably more like, well, clearly, now there's 11 disciples there, 11 out of 11 would have it or did have problems with doubting. Some doubted is the point that it's more than just Thomas, but I want to look at Thomas just for a moment. Um, Thomas, I think he was hit by PTSD. I seriously do. I think that Thomas, this is speculative on my part, I realize that, but 
he, he wasn't there when the disciples first met and Jesus came through the walls and ate fish and said, breathed on them and said, peace be to you. He wasn't there. He missed church that day. <laughs> he ever had some kind of emotional discouragement or disappointment that made you just, it sort of set you up. So I don't, I don't even, I, I, maybe even subconsciously you wouldn't even admit it, but I'm kind of mad at God I'm not going to go to church. Well, Thomas missed the gathering, and because of that, he missed the collective stirring of faith that Jesus was imparting to the, to the 11 disciples that were left. Jesus came and manifested himself to, to increase their faith, and Thomas missed out because he missed church. And I want to suggest to you that disciplined, regular attendance at church is a great asset to, to you and to me to stir our faith. Um, Thomas, I think he might have got jammed up by disillusionment. I expected God to do this. I expected Jesus to do this, and he didn't come through. And now they're saying that he's raised from the dead. I don't know if I can handle this. I want to suggest to us all that in the course of our lives, there will be times, you've noticed it already, there will probably be more times where you expect things to go a certain way and they go a different way. And it feels like you got slugged in the stomach and all the air got knocked out of you spiritually and you don't know how to handle it. And I want to suggest to you that... um, that you need to look at it a bit different. I'm going to give you a quote from Jerry Cook right now that will be the most important quote for many of you here. Most important part of this message, even though it's just a very short quote. Never put a period at the end of one of God's unfinished sentences in your life. Never put a period at the end of one of God's unfinished sentences in your life. He's dead. He's dead and I'm not going to go to church. I got to figure out a different course. Period. God whispers, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. I work all things together for good to those that love God. I am not done. The sense is not completed. It doesn't end with a period or even a question mark. It ends with a triple exclamation point and a smiley face. You apply that. Okay. Jesus Jesus gives Thomas the evidence that he's looking for. He manifests himself, says, touch my hands, touch my side, it's me. And Thomas 
bows down. It says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, Thomas, you're blessed because you saw. Even more blessed are those that do not see but believe. Now, friends, God is not calling you to believe um, without evidence. He's calling you to believe based on the testimony of Thomas of the other ten. These are men of integrity. These are men that have spent the last three years with the most moral teacher, teacher of morality the world has ever seen or ever will see. These are men that will are so committed to the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus that most of them died a martyr's death. You can trust their testimony. You can trust their testimony. And Thomas himself, when he went to India, and when the first missionaries went to India, they found a Thomistic church there that traced their heritage all the way back to Thomas. And Thomas didn't say to them, I don't, I don't believe that Thomas said to them, you know, if you pray to Jesus, he'll, he'll manifest himself to you and show you his side and his hands. No, Thomas said, believe based on my testimony, my words. I want to go on record today as saying your personal testimony is extremely important to your extended family and your working cohorts. But even more important is the testimony of the New Testament, the testimony of the apostles. It's rock solid. So much so that Matthew says, Matthew, Matthew says um, to his church, when you're facing, if you ever face doubts, I want you guys to know something. Here's a little cameo for you. One, if this, if this stuff wasn't true, we wouldn't have women be the first ones seeing. If we were making this up, we would have, we would have uh, Jesus appear first to the disciples. We wouldn't include women in, in the mix. Uh, um, because in that day, wrongly, they were wrong in doing this, but they were, they, women's testimony wouldn't even be admissible in court. So it's, 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 but the fact that they included it is because it's true. It's true. And the best, the best argument against the resurrection of Jesus is that the disciples, the disciples, without waking any of the guards up, Rolled a one-ton rock away, no noise, stole the body of Jesus, lied, and continued to lie till they were all dead as martyrs. After, after spending three years with the best moral teacher in the world. This is the best argument, Matthew says, that they could come up with. This is it. That's all you got? That's all you got? <laughs> Matthew says we can trust, and he, he says to his church, you can trust my testimony. I was there. Thirdly, maximize, um, maximize the I am with you factor because, uh, by welcoming the winning of Jesus with worship. Jesus wins at the resurrection. Death is defeated. It's the day death died. We can welcome winning with worship. The ladies worshiped. Thomas worshiped. The disciples worshiped. The best first response to resurrection reality is what you did this morning. 
always laced with rejoicing. I'm not going to talk any more about that because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> guys are great. Finally, max, uh, number four, maximize uh, your, your law and with you always by keeping committed to the cause of the king. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Teach them everything I've commanded you to teach. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. You know, Matthew totally was all in. If he was playing poker, he was all in. But it wasn't a gamble. He knew it was true. Do you know that he lived from heaven to earth in his mindset? Do you know that Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven 32 times? He lived from the heaven realm to the earth realm. He knew it because Jesus. Do you know the other, the other uh, uh, Luke, John, and Mark don't ever refer, not once refer to kingdom of heaven. They always refer to kingdom of God. Matthew does too. Matthew had this nuanced revelation. I'm in heaven now. I'm seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm living from this spot. And I'm continually looking for an opportunity to see a need and meet it in Jesus Christ's names. You know what? That's, that's just easy ministry. Open for business. See a need and meet it in Jesus' name in the anointing of the Spirit. It's going to be nuanced according to your own personality. God's great strategy for this world is you. The personality of Jesus through your personality, the way you do things, the way you talk, the way you think creatively, the way you are happy and being being blessed. I love the freedom to be me. Don't you love the freedom to be you? I love the kingdom of heaven. I want to live more from the mindset of heaven to earth. Don't you? I just love it. It feeds me. makes me feel close to Jesus. Makes me feel so close to Jesus. I have to include evangelism in my life. I'm sorry, that's, uh, I don't have, I, I take, try to take four hours a week to just do soul winning. And that four hours is some of the best of the week. I mean, other, I do pastoral stuff the other time, and that's all good. That's all important stuff. But I'm a better pastor because I spend those four hours doing the soul winning. And one of the things that, in terms of nuance, I came across nine teenagers waiting for a uh, restaurant to open at their lunch hour in Old Town Medford the other day. And I said, hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked up and said, hey, young people, for a chance to win a $10 bill, can I talk to you about Jesus for just two minutes? If anybody wants to hear about Jesus and have a chance to win a $10 bill, line up on this line. Of Of the nine that were there, only two stood on the line. I had a number on my phone, the number two. I said, choose a number, one or two. One of them chose two, one of them chose one, obviously. I preached Christ to them, gave them a chance to be saved. They, one of them didn't say anything, but one of them said, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I want to do it at home, not in front of all these people. And I said, awesome. But what I want to say is, the anointing was there. <laughs> The presence of God was so there. And all nine of them, they couldn't get away. They were like the soldiers, numb. They couldn't move. (laughs) I think they were terrorized. Like, what is going on here? But 
I love the glory of God that came down and how I could tell God was talking, talking to them. They were like stunned. It was a really trippy experience. You know what? Don't try that at home. You do you, okay? Because you do you. Put a big smile on your face like me being me gives me a big happy smile. Kingdom of heaven stuff. Keep doing it, church. Let's stand up. I have a few words of knowledge for television audience or, or from people here. There will be a t- pastoral care team at the front to release holistic healing to you, body, soul, or spirit. Wherever you need a miracle, we'll believe with you in faith for Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever to meet your need. These are words of knowledge for people here or for people watching on television today. I felt that God's... Um, someone has, a, has made a decision to give a big but painful gift to someone in need or to a ministry in need. I'm not saying it's our. I'm not saying it's New Song Church. I'm not asking for that. But there's someone that has, has already made the decision, and I, want, and I feel like God is saying he's behind that. He's blessing that. He's with you in that, and you're going to have incredible supernatural heaven joy as a result. Watch out. It's going to hit you. I feel like today that there's someone with numbness in your, in your head. It just feels like there's numbness in your head. I know, I never heard of that phrase. That's just a phrase that came. Also, numbness in your feet, someone else. And uh, tinnitus ringing in your ears. So those at home, just as, a, as an expression of faith, touch your computer screen or your, or, your, uh, or your television monitor. And just as you touch it, Just know that Jesus is touching you and bringing you healing, bringing you help, bringing you blessing. And those of us that are here, if you're identifying with any of those, come up here or anything else that you need. If you've not started your journey with Jesus, if you haven't started the I am with you joy, let today be your day. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Call on him, he will save you and get things going in an amazing, amazing way. Church, we love you. God loves you. Go with a smile on your face, a song in your heart, a dance in your step. You have the right to be happy. God bless you.